Hello and welcome to the Bare Naked Chat podcast, hosted by myself, Natalia Comis. And me, Ash Moon. This podcast is about what it is to be a woman in the world that we live in today. Womanhood and everything that comes with that, from periods, sex, body image, to gender pay gap, or simply being the underrepresented 50%. We're here to normalise subjects that don't often get spoken about. Women being women, talking for those of us who associate with the fabulous female gender. Charlotte Ritchie is a British actress, particularly well-known for her part in the hit BBC series Call the Midwife as nurse Barbara Gilbert, as well as Oregon in Channel 4's hilarious Fresh Meat, Hannah in Siblings, and this year's recent release Ghosts as Alison. We've invited her on the show today to chat all things Call the Midwife, being a kick-ass female performer, and her take on being a woman in the world we live in today. Hello! Hi. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to be asked. Oh, awesome. And to be called a kick-ass woman. Wow. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Props where it's due. Props where it's due. <laughs> um, cool. So we would really love to start off just by chatting to you a little bit about your role on Call the Midwife and being the lovely Barbara. Yeah. Well, uh, it was, oh, it's just such a lovely time. I mean, I started the show, I basically was, watched the show for a couple of years. I watched the first few series um, and I actually remember like turning to my, I used to watch it with my mum and turning to her and being like, wouldn't it be amazing to be in a show like that? Like that's a kind oh, of. Oh, nice. That's so lush. Yeah, it was really cool. So when I got the audition through, I was just so excited. And what was really lovely is that uh, Heidi Thomas, who writes uh, the show, she'd written this kind of monologue, this like two page monologue from uh, as Barbara, as the character that she created. And it was this really like lovely scene where she's folding up some sort of sheets that are, smell a bit like um, fish and chip, like the grease that he <laughs> <laughs> and how it reminded her of being in Liverpool with her dad and going on the rounds to people in the docks. And basically like this fully formed character existed in this two page monologue that none, none of us who auditioned for it had to learn. We just had to read it and it was just a, like a way of us getting into who she was. And I've never had that really before or since where the writer writes it specifically for the audition. I, I need to find it actually and like, and look back on it because it's just so lovely and kind of a real testament to how in depth her characterization is. Yeah, that's so nice. Really nice. Yeah, I just remembered that actually. Do you uh, think about the smell of the chip oil now when you think about the beginnings of Barbara Gilbert? Yeah, I do actually. I feel like that was such a kind of, quick conjuring like a quick way of because smell is so evocative mm. so what does that that says so much about her that she would go and have fish and chips with her dad <laughs> oh, I love that yes yeah, really, yeah. and also I think Heidi's from Liverpool so there was something kind of autobiographical a bit about maybe that memory um so that was really nice I learned later so yeah oh that's so lush I love that and it also shows how committed she obviously is to the show and yeah. to and to her writing as well Absolutely. So um, tell us a little bit about, because, okay, for those of you who don't watch Call the Midwife, which is ridiculous, you should go and watch it. Um, <laughs> it is, first of all, one of my favourite programmes. I freaking love it. Right. And um, it's quite graphic in parts. And it also brings up some really, really important topics, both uh, 
still relevant today and topics that were obviously very relevant um, when it was uh, the time that it was meant to be about, which is basically after the war, really, isn't it? Um, And were, were there any particular topics, particular scenes, particular experiences from Call the Midwife that have really stayed with you or that have really kind of shifted your perspective on things? Yeah, I mean, there's so many, both from watching it and from from being in the storylines that I kind of um, was involved with. I think it is actually hard to choose. I've kind of been racking my brains about those specific ones, but mm. I kind of feel like it just opened my eyes in general, in a way, in a quite direct way to to the oppression of w- women throughout sort of history in, in, in an arena that is like so personal and so natural to them. There's something, there's something so sort of earthy and like natural. Obviously it's kind of childbirth is something that many women uh, go through and we've all been born and we all have mothers and it just is so, it was so, so awful to know that there was such a long period of history where women just didn't know about what was happening to their bodies and were sort of encouraged to keep it quiet and to keep it behind closed doors and to, uh, you know, there's like, I said this to you guys earlier when we chatted, but the, there's a kind of, there was an episode where a woman just didn't know the name of her anatomy and couldn't express what was going on with her. And that really struck me because I thought of the kind of the shame and the lack of knowledge that someone might have about their own body, which is theirs to kind of, to, to have and to own and to be proud of. And I feel like what was sort of really saddening about that is that that's not just specific to 1950s and 60s. London that still happens now women are still made to feel like they don't have complete ownership over their bodies and that they're not able to just be you know free in 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 owning them and proud of them and all of the sort of gruesome parts of them as much as the really beautiful parts you know yeah that's nice actually like every single part of having a female body yeah I mean and there's so many of us I mean it's so insane yeah we were talking, I can't remember if we've mentioned this already, Ash, but we were talking a little while ago about a, I don't know if you'd call it an illustration or a, a picture, a graphic picture of some description, um, of, of the human anatomy. And it actually showed the female version with our milk ducts um, below the nipples. And we were like, what the frick? It's like, it's possible. <laughs> it looks so beautiful because it's like two flowers on your nipples. Um, secondly I'd literally never ever ever in my life seen this image before so you know you've gone through school we've gone through whatever like years of um, being educated about the human anatomy and biology and all of this kind of stuff and I'd never in my life seen a picture of the female anatomy in that respect yeah and that's ridiculous absolutely ridiculous no I I think that I think the point about the fact that there are things that are within us that we don't know about it's not like they're not known in the world like like you said that that diagram presumably has been around for a very long time I've, I've never seen that mm. and I think there was just this old I've been thinking about this a lot recently in terms of just almost every aspect of of how we're sort of educated and brought up is that, that there's been historically like a fear of like too much knowledge and that like only a certain group of people should know a lot and everyone else can't really handle it like you can't handle the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the more you know, the more you can be at, at peace and like and and okay, and okay with the things you know. It's the 
And I just think that there's always been this theory that if people don't know about their bodies, then they won't use them in the wrong way or whatever wrong means. But actually, the more you know, sort of the better and more informed decision making you have and you can be a lot more free in your choices, I think. Definitely. It's interesting, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about a few incidents because so I'm from Greece um originally I'm half Greek and I lived in Greece for most of my childhood and I'm just thinking back to times when family members of mine female family members had issues um very severe issues and um they would not be told about it it would be their husbands and everyone else that would be told and they would be kept in the dark on purpose because they didn't think that they could handle them we're talking things like cancer you know, things literally like, you're going to die. Oh, we're not going to tell you about it. Um, because, they're, because they were women. Be- literally because they were women. And they didn't think that they, could be de- that they could deal with the knowledge of something like that, that they would break down for, you know, in some way. Um, and I remember thinking how freaking just awful that was. Yeah. Um, and who has the right to not tell someone something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's that it's that desire to control always. It's it's that like myth that you can control how somebody else feels, or mm. and I think that the sooner you realise you can't control how people feel, and the more you let them just feel things for themselves, then it's just it, it's just better because you can't you can't decide how someone's going to react to bad news. You just have to tell them, and you have to be honest about the truth, don't you? In all situations, really. Yeah, I think it helps yourself as well, doesn't it? Once you realise that, to know that yeah. you can just own your own story a little bit as well. Absolutely, yeah. Because like, there's less judgment. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because not telling someone something implies that there's something really wrong. I mean, obviously, if there is something wrong, then that that's true. But it's it just keeping something a secret gives it a real sort of uh, shrouds it in kind of shame and embarrassment. Mm. Ooh, yeah. Was there anything in um, Call the Midwife that you feel like you learned about anatomy or about women's health from doing the show? Yeah, I, I think I learned a lot about like, I mean, I learned about how babies are born. It's <laughs> 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 really obvious, but I just didn't really know. Just sort of the stages of birth and um, the different ways in which a baby can emerge and yeah, just, just the sort of protocol that, that lots of midwives go through and the way that it's changed over the years and different ideologies about how it's best to give birth and how sort of personal it is to to the to the mothers and uh yeah it's it's been really interesting to kind of see that and also because it's set in the 50s and 60s it's such a different mentality that there are so many different things that are have changed so for example men were never in the delivery room but that gets discussed a bit in the show Mm -hmm. and kind of changing attitudes again towards it becoming less of this like mythical event that happens that no one knows about and actually just opening it up to it being something natural and you know for everyone to experience and be part of yeah do you um slightly personal question has it made you uh not want kids or are you still potentially wanting kids or is this a thing that has come up from being on the show You've been really mixed bag, actually, in terms of a response like to to, to that. And uh, yeah, I think it, it's it's kind of managed to have such extreme effects either way that I've gone back to the sort of position I was always at, which is that at some point it might be right, uh, mm. but it depends on my circumstances. And yeah, yeah. We were talking um, earlier. I was talking earlier with Ash about uh, there's an article about Taylor Swift that came out recently about how she was asked 
uh, now that you've turned 30, when will you be having kids? Like, it, this is the done thing, you know, get on with it kind of thing. Yeah. And um, she was just like, well, you wouldn't be asking a man that. So I'm not answering this question. Yeah, I think it, it, it partly really depends on who's asking it. Like, I think the fact that what this podcast is about and things like you guys asking me about having children feels very different than a journalist out of context. Yeah male being like not, not not that it necessarily was but I think context is really important when you ask somebody about that yeah. um, and I think that what's what's annoying is that it would be lovely if in a world where having a child has an equal impact on a man and a woman uh then it would be a neutral question to ask yeah and the fact that paternity leave is still not really a thing in so many parts of the world and that it does have a profound effect on women immediately I'm not saying it doesn't on men but it, it really does change mm. one's life and her professional outlook and what is expected of her. I have had a lot of conversations recently with friends of mine who say that deep down they sort of still feel like they have to choose between child and a career. And yeah. I, I just think, yeah, in that case, it's just, it's, we're not, it, we're not equal anywhere near it. So asking that question is so loaded. Mm. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want children. Um, and I've been quite open about that. Um, I mean, you know, you never say never, but it's unlikely. Um, and it would be more likely that I would adopt, but I have to say watching pull the midwives has definitely put me off even more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is pretty graphic. I mean, we were saying the other day, weren't we, how there was that particular episode, which I actually threw up in whilst watching and then you knew exactly what I was talking about. I mean, I'm not sure that's a great thing that it's putting people off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean partly it's it is like the whole ruining your vagina aspect of me and like just like the, that whole thing is what kind of puts me off having children to begin with plus oh. like billions of other things to add on to that yeah um so I think it's just a little bit like I'm just sitting there going oh my god I can't watch I can't watch yeah. but I mean I love the show and um, my mum's always going we're a bit weird really aren't you, you- can't handle it you don't want children but you love this program which is all about having children (laughs) I'm like you know I wonder what it is about that about it that lets you like entertain those that part of you that might want them or not want you know it's like like a way of having that discussion outside of your head I suppose like watching other people kind of talking about it yeah and I think that's the nice thing about shows like that you know that it does bring up conversation and and even things like you know our podcast like that's what we hope that it does that helps people communicate a little bit more about certain topics um, and find out a little bit more I mean even for us like we're hoping to be educated through this as well and I think that's very much what Call the Midwives um, has been doing yeah I really like how the sense of community comes through so strongly in Call the Midwife. I think that's partly why it feels so, I mean, it's almost like a little bit like rose-tinted glasses because it makes mm. it feel like such a strong, warm, sort of like cosy, like family away from family. Yeah. Um, I wondered if that came across through the crew and the cast whilst you were filming it. So well, that kind of like feeling of being, of like constantly supporting and like being aware of this like close-knit community that you're part of. Strangely, that was something I really was like, uh morning when I left the show I I kind of felt like I'd existed for a bit of time in this this sort of like world where it did feel quite everyone was so close and kind of supportive and I do think that 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 kind of filtered through to the to the cast and the crew like we're all really really close and I've made some really long 
like lifelong friends from it. And lots of, there's a kind of feeling that everybody turns up to each other's events and kind of um, really like uh, chips in. So if someone's like, you know, raising money for something, everybody kind of gets involved or goes and watches someone do a fun run or whatever. And I think that maybe that subconsciously has come from the kind of ethos of the show. Um, yeah. And I think we do it for so long. We do it for six months. So you, you can't really, you can't really help it. <laughs> yeah. By that point, whether you like it or not, they're part of your life after, after that long. Oh, I love it. But I think that there's, um, there is sometimes maybe a misconception or, or I think that, you know, we're seeing a particular world in Call the Midwife. We're seeing at least the, the Nanata's house world is the nuns there are particularly warm, uh, in a way that I think that that was not always the case everywhere. Yeah that time and also I think that the there's a kind of real camaraderie and the the midwives are very most of them are pretty like liberal and quite forward-looking but I think it's easy to forget that that time was so terrible socially for so many people and I think that it was fine to exist in if you fitted into a very narrow category of person and if you outside of any of that then you were really really lost and uh I think and, and made to feel like you weren't really sort of worth much and I think that that's the show does explore that but I think it's easy to get kind of lost in nostalgia and I think that's happening a bit at the moment there's a kind of sense that the olden days were good days but it it just wasn't true I mean people just expectancy was low the amount of sort of you know tension social tension racism sexism homophobia was pretty high not to kind yeah I think I think no it's true I think and like are so much pressure to behave in a particular way I mean we have that now as well but and it like morphs and change with each generation doesn't it but like I think particularly then coming out of what the world had just been through yeah absolutely yeah um I wonder if that that what the world went through meant that people felt more than ever they wanted to kind of be uh cohesive and like you know stick together and mm. homogenous and kind of just like you know, keep those, keep those things that kept everybody together. I don't know. I suppose the post-war mentality was probably quite uh, difficult to relate to now. Yeah, I think so. Because I think part of it was really amazing, wasn't it? And I think mm. a lot of people almost mourn that in quite a strange way, that like feeling of camaraderie and cohesiveness. Mm. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, without going too much into politics, mm. um, probably a lot of, well, from personal experience, um, in terms of my family and friends, a lot of the people who voted for things like Brexit were around in that era. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I think exactly what you're saying. It is a little bit um, this nostalgia of, you know, what was and looking at it through rose-tinted glasses. And of course, the people who maybe did have it a bit better, um, thinking that that was, that was a better way to be. Um, and not realizing how affected that people who weren't accepted were. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think there was a lot of silence around. Mm. There a, maybe there was an impression that things were okay because anyone who didn't fit into a mainstream, as in a so-called mainstream category, was not allowed to express that they didn't anyway. So there was an illusion that everyone was fine. But actually, yeah. now we're hearing people's experiences that behind closed doors and within themselves, they felt very much like outsiders and. Now we're hearing that people feel like that and that's really good. And we need to know that people feel, you know, everyone needs to be able to express that. So yeah, maybe yeah. that's that the past was all like fine, but that's just because people didn't say, and we didn't know, we didn't, you wouldn't ask your neighbor how they really, really, really felt about a particular law, would you? Like it was yeah. just, you can't, you don't have Twitter or blogs or people writing to each other or, yeah. or 
there's so many more ways to understand how people feel now. Um, and it just didn't exist in those days. It was just, too yeah. Cool. Yeah. No emojis to like illustrate <laughs> innermost feelings. <laughs> I was an emoji to someone the other day and I just was going to be like, I love them so much. I used to hate emojis. And then sometimes they just sum up everything. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just all I needed to say was a little smiley face with a rosy cheek. And I'll... Uh, so yeah, so they needed emojis. Uh, yeah. I think they should re-edit called midwife with emojis like floating around people's heads and stuff. <laughs> That is hilarious. What is that? I don't know what I'm saying. No, that's hilarious. Me and my mum were talking about this the other day about emojis and about how people communicate less mm. in a way when they when they text and everything. But part of it actually I think is like you can't see someone's facial expressions, can you? So doing an emoji gives a little bit of like an inkling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they were saying I, I read something recently where they were saying that we're basically going back to how the Egyptians um wrote and spoke and yeah basically just put things down on onto paper or papyrus let's say right. um and it's kind of like well actually the egyptians were the ones that created emojis and we're just finally evolving enough to, to become <laughs> like them and it's taken us however many thousands of years to go back to that um <laughs> and we start using hilarious. like really long sentences with lots of different types of emoji like to express one thing yeah oh god i, I need to start trying this out yeah. <laughs> How long a story can you tell? I actually remember, he's going to hate me for saying this, especially because he's going to listen to this. I remember Chris writing me a love letter like a billion years ago um, when we were still at school with emojis. Um, oh, that is it? cute. Yeah, but like the old school ones, you know, we only had like 10 or something at the time. I don't really um, remember, they like a winky face. and Yeah. <laughs> ones that were made out of the keyboard yeah really like really (laughs) really standardized ones it was so funny i might have to try and get it out actually i must have it somewhere you do need to get that out i'm gonna have to try and find it yeah (laughs) um completely changing the subject um and a total like destroyer if someone hasn't watched all of call the midwife yet but you died quite recently in call the midwife (laughs) Yeah, did. didn't you on screen what was that like because we were both bawling our eyes out yeah um, yeah it was I mean it, it was so sad <laughs> it was it was bizarre like I I do understand that it's not real I want to make that clear I understand. <laughs> uh, but there I think there was like a lot of stuff going on where it was just very sad to say goodbye to the show I just in that moment I was like okay off she goes and I was also saying goodbye to a character that had been so beautifully written and and was became sort of quite real in my head and became so much part of the Nanata's house and the, and the and the world in Poplar that I kind of really felt in that moment like when it sort of finished and when it was happening that I was saying goodbye to her and all her relationships and and then watching it back the new series it's been odd it feels like mm. I'm watching it like she's sort of hovering around watching everybody carrying on their lives and it's quite bizarre. Oh. I, suppose, I, know, I know it's bizarre, yeah. but I think that's, that's more in the in the in the grander sense of like you, uh, you don't really you shouldn't have to and too much and I don't really think too much about uh, you know my own death and what it would what, what what happens next and so I think that for a week when you have to kind of lie in bed and someone says to you right so just imagine that you're you know 
you're going to pass away next week and you're like okay well that's <laughs> not something I and it's quite it's quite sort of perverse because you know that people go through that a lot and it and it's a very strange thing to do um but yeah no I mean it was it was really moving I mean I made the mistake of watching it with my mum um anyone ever does if any of that mm-hmm. ever any other actresses listening don't watch it with your mum or your dad or anyone that loves you <laughs> that must have been awful but it was, um, <laughs> it was good and it was an important story to to tell and I think you know I know people affected by that story and as in you know who, who've who've been through that and uh so yeah so it's a, it was it was important to tell it did it feel a bit like she like Barbara I know obviously you played her but did she feel a bit like she was a friend of yours as well like you were saying goodbye to a pal yeah kind of yeah I think so I think so I think she was so lovely I mean, she was so much nicer than I am and <laughs> so much more hardworking. and um I guess in my head I imagine that there were these lots of different Barbaras around who were sort of busying themselves making everyone feel better and um just being lovely I, I really liked her I, I've played some characters who I think are real you know idiots and so I, it was nice to play someone who was genuinely lovely yeah yeah we we spoke before about how um how a lot of people cry when they do watch called midwife in general um and how it feels like a cleansing of sorts for people um to to let those tears out and and an excuse to do so um like a national catharsis yeah i I, Um, it does strike me as like significant as so many people have said to me i get you know i get my tissues ready for a Sunday night crying session. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's like obviously quite, there's something yeah, cathartic about, about it. I think where you get to kind of just have a moment where you can just feel very sad and it may not be, it may be that they just find the show very sad, but I also think that there's something about the fact that it moves people. It touches something really specific in people that maybe, maybe it's difficult to process in other times and it gives you a little hour to kind of let all that out. Mm, Yeah. Like a good outlet. Yeah, it's like satisfying at the same time, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I do feel quite like evangelical about the show, actually. <laughs> when I go, <laughs> like the bare facts of it, of it being a show that's totally headed up by women, that has very little like um, extreme like violence or sex or like anything sort of like, uh, I don't know. It, it, it is purely telling the history of women's experiences of giving birth to children. And it's about women's experiences and it's like one of the prime shows on BBC. It's like got like 10 million views and it's like in its ninth series or whatever. And people keep coming back and I think that's so rare and it's, it's really feminist and it's really discursive. And it, I, I think it, yeah, I think it definitely deserves a lot of like kudos for that. Mm. Yeah, it does. It's also just really powerful. Like it's really empowering. I think for women, when we were saying earlier about how, it also it, like it, how it can put you off having babies. I think it also does like the complete opposite. Yeah, so definitely. How capable women are in every single aspect of their lives. Oh yeah, the things they go through. Yeah, there was that amazing. Yeah. Watch Fleabag. Yeah. 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 When <laughs> Thomas does that speech about women being born with pain built in. Yeah. They have periods and they have childbirth and they have and it's like they don't have to look for it because they have it in them. I just thought that was such a sort of beautiful way of. Um, of talking about it I mean obviously not all women have periods not all women have children and there are other ways in which but I do think that that's like an interesting concept that that's something inside us that's built in yeah 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 definitely important thing as well to point out is that like it's not it's not just reproductive ability that makes somebody 
uh, you know a woman it's not specific to that kind of process mm. and there's like you talk about I'm sure you'll talk about this stuff that isn't on the other other podcasts that isn't to do with child birth and periods and reproductive system but it just so happens that the show focuses on that but obviously there are so many more things that make somebody um feel you know like a woman or whatever so, yeah 100 yeah. percent exactly um i i wanted to ask actually about the other roles that you played whether there were any other like particular characters that you really enjoyed playing or someone that you've learned something from for your own life um yeah i mean i sort of it's funny that the kind of temperament of a character that I play tends to sort of feed in a bit into how I feel day to day. If, if I'm doing it quite intensely, yeah. Like, um, when I was in Fresh Meat, my character Oregon was just so insanely uptight and anxious and like always reading the room and always changing her personality depending on who she was near. And that is not a way to live. <laughs> and I found that very stressful. Whereas when I did um, Siblings, I played this character called Hannah who was essentially a sociopath and I'm not condoning being a sociopath, but she just didn't care what anybody thought. And as far as she was concerned, she moved through the world. And if something went wrong, it was always because of something that someone else had done. And there was something really, really relaxing about that where you could just like make whatever decision you wanted, depending on the day and not ever care about what anybody thinks. And I think that that is uh, something that not not very many people feel most people worry about how they come across and whether they've upset somebody or whether they've done the right thing at work or they've said something stupid and to be that person for six eight weeks was very liberating yeah yeah I love that it makes me yeah. kind of want to do like a day a week of just being like that as much as possible <laughs> just to see what it's like it's quite amazing I was talking about it with a friend she was like some people just like don't worry about what people think. And I was like, no, that's not true. There's no one that exists like that. <laughs> <laughs> the psych- social person, psychopath. Yeah, yeah. I never forget being, doing psychology and being in the lecture um, during A-levels and the words. And we were in this big, it was a big conference actually. And this guy was on stage and he was like, say hi to everyone next to you, shake their hands, blah, blah, blah. And then he turns around and goes, one of those people is a psychopath. Wow. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> You're like, is it me? Is it yeah. me? No, literally. Because <laughs> you do, you sort of think, like you go through, it's like with anything, it's like if you Google, you know, symptoms that you have about something, you, you convince yourself you've got that problem. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when, especially with things like that, you can, you can definitely convince yourself you've got some kind of um, tendencies yeah. Um, well, after I read, I read John Ronson's book, The Psychopath Test. <gasps> love it. I oh, read that too. Yeah. But I kind of did begin to sort of profile people. Um, and I don't think that's fair. Mm-hmm. And I also <laughs> think like there's a there's there's also I guess the more we know about this, like it it is it would be a heartbreaking thing to be someone with no empathy. Like I think it is the thing that makes you able to move through the world and form really good connections and stuff. And like there's sort of I guess this like secret hope that it's not just that it would be scary, but it would also just be so sad uh, mm. to not have those feelings. And I think that it's really, it's really kind of interesting, isn't it? That the feelings that you hate that make you feel sad or, or depressed or anxious are also the ones that make you feel uh, empathetic and understand other people's experiences and things like that. Yeah. So the things yeah. that make you alive, I think, like they give you texture, don't they? Texture to your life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's interesting because I always sort of, combine the idea of empathy um and compassion with your kind of gut instinct 
Mm. Um, and I, I wonder if that's really a, a thing that sociopaths have. I don't really know. Yeah, Maybe yeah. we'll have to speak yeah, to like a psychologist. Like a, yeah, I think we would. I mean, yeah. I was dating the most delicious psychopath, wasn't I, last year? And yeah. He had really? Yeah, yeah, awful. He had got instinct, for sure. Oh, yeah. Like, not empathy. Wow. But now I'm like, I should go and do some scientific study on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I've been around psychopaths for a long time during my, um, let's say, growing up period. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess they probably did have gut instincts thinking about it. It is intriguing. Though. Yeah, yeah. So, um, anyway, back back to you, Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to hear more about this, but I don't know. <laughs> we can Not talk about that after. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, as a female performer today in this industry, is there anything that you've experienced that you feel might have been different if you were not? a woman as you are or if let's say if you were a male um yeah I think there probably are lots of things that um were, were that would be different I was thinking about this I mean I, I've had a kind of uh I, I my first sort of big role playing Oregon in Fresh Meat was was such a sort of strong and flawed character that mm-hmm. it sort of paved the way of me expecting that much from the types of roles that I got to play I think there's something about being in comedy where quite often women are, are written like, you know, they have flaws and part of their, a lot of comedy comes from your flaws. So, so it's been like, I've been lucky in that respect that I've not played sort of two dimensional women who are just there as like a prop or somebody's wife or whatever. Um, but I also kind of feel like I've been quite lucky in that. And I think that that's down to all sorts of factors of like the way I uh, am that makes, I don't know, that, that makes those opportunities available to me. Mm. Um, so yeah, but I was thinking actually about how in terms of comedy, like I remember being at school and it may just be that I just wasn't funny, but I, I remember distinctly the moment that I was in the company of uh, uh, more of like a mixed gender group when I was at university and they and like everybody laughing as opposed to being feeling a bit like these sort of macho men that I knew when I was a teenager just being like but women girls really can't be like it, I remember things falling flat as a as a teenage girl and then I'm not when I got older and met people who were like willing to sort of see me as an equal and someone who could just be funny just because of who I am regardless of my gender mm, yeah yeah interesting mm-hmm. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? Noticed that as I got older and people were more sort of serious about it and more more open minded, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, maybe also more um open to jokes that aren't necessarily jokes they expect from women or from, you know, yeah. like y- younger women and girls to say. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Like really simply like gross jokes or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I think there is also like an expectancy almost like an old-fashioned thing about men being the ones that are comedians and they're funny and that like girls aren't really jokey because it's a masculine thing which is quite odd yeah well this is I've been thinking about this so much and about what what it is that why there are so many and I think it's because like um what god I can't really articulate it but like there's something about the ability to send up a man because it's like the most sort of powerful position you can be in so that to see a man like flawed or like um, put down or like lower status is funny because it's such a changing of the status quo. But mm. when you come from whatever group, 
that's that's been lower status it's quite hard to use that as your comedy tool and so quite often you see very powerful women like sort of that's their that's their way of like contrasting it uh and it's interesting i notice there's like quite often i, I often read scripts where a man will be writing and they have to make the person say it's say it's someone who's female they and i think this happened a lot like through the noughties that the women would woman would be like the dry one who like had it had her shit together and was like rolling her eyes at the guys but like she was there she was powerful but she wasn't really funny she was just super serious and super powerful and yeah. that's really fun when you see women like tripping over or being flawed or being selfish or being vain because they are allowed to be those but you have to build them up to a higher status before you can bring them back down again mm. yeah that's really true that yeah is really that true. is and it's yeah that's really interesting and also interesting to see the how it's changed over you know the last 20 30 years as well when each decade different is being different yeah um as you were saying that i was thinking about that i don't know if you've watched that program from mrs Maisel. i think it's called um, oh yeah she's a comedian she's yeah she's 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 marvelous, marvelous mrs Maisel. yeah something like that yeah she's so she's a comedian um well she's a wife of uh, you know this guy and he comes from a very classically jewish family who you know she's meant to just be the wife and bring up the children and just you know do all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and he's supposed to be the comedian but he's absolutely crap and um she basically ends up being the comedian i'm not going to tell you the whole story obviously in case people want to watch it <laughs> but it just it was just so refreshing to see uh, a a woman go do you know what i don't care that you're the one that wants to be a comedian um i don't really care about this marriage like i'm just going to do my own thing regardless of what everyone expects of me um yeah. and i th- i think that's probably one of the main reasons it's done so well um um, but she does use you know her experiences like her family experiences and all that kind of stuff in her comedy um so yeah so that just sort of go back to what you were just saying yeah yeah that's really interesting I think also having the confidence to do that is uh it's very hard to find and I think that that comes from feeling like a sense even just a tiny sense that you belong somewhere or that you are allowed to occupy that space and I think that even having like me having the feeling that I can o- occupy a space like a like a leap like a role in in a tv show or something is comes from a confidence that I've been given from different parts of my life and upbringing and whatever and I think that that is like a really important thing to hone in on is like is like creating an environment where all types of people mm. feel that they have the right to occupy a space and to take up those opportunities because it's all very well like 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 even have the question of even being offered an opportunity but having the confidence to like think that you're worth taking it is another complete thing so what's her name marvelous miss mazel mazel yeah somewhere to say i deserve this and not a lot of people and i think the more that you know you, you make space for people the more that they feel like they can take the chances even if you know one step is, is getting the chance that the other is taking it, basically. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. So true. So true. Yeah. And owning it in your own right is like, I feel like the more we have like female comedians and female performers talking about their experiences, the more normal and the more that like comedy and, and just like storytelling changes because the more variety you have, right? Which is kind of what we've just been saying. Totally. Totally. And I think also seeing what space you take up and whether that in, in like 
in impacts on someone else's you know like being aware of people that don't take up that much space who and giving them a bit more i think that's like an important thing um this is definitely like a conversation in feminism and stuff you know about women making sure they're looking out for all women yeah yeah ah brilliant um that did actually just suddenly remind me of there was a comedy night in fact it might still be coming up and or it happened over the weekend uh run by Sarah Pascoe and Carrie Ed Lloyd I think called Bloody Good Period and it was in London I was so gutted not to be there yeah I missed that those two they're amazing both of them aren't they really yeah. lovely mm-hmm. yeah um Charlotte is there anything going on at the moment whether it's you know a current news story or something personally to you that you feel particularly strongly about um especially you know if it has anything to do with like gender issues or um, anything to do with anyone who associates with a female gender or just basically something that's pissed you off <laughs> <laughs> or inspired um, you. Could be the opposite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's lot, there's so much, <laughs> there's so much, but I think, uh, I think just, I just in general, I've been kind of recently, um, reading a lot about and talking a lot about, and I, I said this to you guys when we, when we talked a bit earlier, but, just about like really okay so I think my big thing is is this like sort of strange counterculture of like anti-pc mentality which is like it what annoys me about it is that it completely misunderstands the purpose of giving people room to speak and the purpose of like like basically it just denies the fact that there are so many structures and so many ways of oppressing people that need to be unpicked. And it's not dramatic to say that. And that actually so many people feel like they're not right or they feel ashamed because of the way that the world has told them they're supposed to be and they just don't fit. And over the last sort of year or so, a few years, but more intensely the last sort of year, I've really been thinking a lot about that and the impact of what it, of, of shame on people and how like, like Hannah Gadsby does this a bit. Do you, have you seen her show Nanette on Netflix? I haven't, no, but I, yeah, it's on my list of things to watch. It's so amazing. And, and she just sums it up beautifully. And like lots of people have talked about this, that when you, when you tell somebody they're wrong or when you tell somebody that they don't fit into what you think the world should look like, you, you, the, the, the insult and the kind of um, the way that you shame them doesn't just stop at their skin. It, it goes in and it turns inwards and it makes them feel that about themselves. And that's so destructive. So I think I get very angry at people who don't allow somebody to be like, you know, upset about the way that the world is and be really expressive about it and trying Mm. to kind of say, well, we can say whatever because it's just a joke. It's like, it's not just a joke. If it doesn't apply to you, it's, it's not a joke. And also most of the time it's just not funny. Insulting. Yeah. Yeah. Usually just not funny. They're really basic and really boring. (laughs) Yeah, completely. Sorry, that's not very in depth, but as a kind of, I just feel like people just misunderstand it when people are getting kind of angry about how much of the culture is changing to accept and include lots more people than have been represented. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's so important. Yeah. It is. That touches on everything, doesn't it? And is just delicious, really. Well, it's not delicious that isn't happening, but like generally how yeah. much that is needed. Yeah, I think so. That's what it's all about. Just letting people live uh, as they are. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you're excited about coming up in your future? This could be like a personal thing or like a work thing or anything really. Um, or like a cup of tea later today. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, I literally need a cup of tea right now. Don't talk about tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I'm really excited actually because, and this is a work thing, but I just did a great show uh, with 
well, I say it's great. I mean, I didn't write it, so maybe I can just say it. <laughs> with a comedian called May Martin, who is fantastic. And we just did a TV show for uh, Channel 4 and Netflix. And um, it's basically about her experiences. And uh, we are we play a couple in a relationship kind of going through lots of different uh, sort of trials that we both feel actually based on a lot of the kind of messages that we've been brought up with and working out where we exist in the world and how we can just be ourselves and so it's 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 really beautiful and very funny and it's got a great cast so <laughs> sounds like a huge plug but it's also just a really interesting and like beautifully written show so mm. oh, that's exciting that's super yeah exciting. uh when's that coming out oh september yeah i think it'll be on e4 and then it will go on netflix but I don't know if that will stay. Maybe it will change. <laughs> that's that's why. Yeah. What's like the main thing um, about that that you're you're really excited for people to take away? Um, I suppose just like I think the biggest thing, and this is like was a big learning for me, and uh, was like really looking deeply into the norms that you've accepted uh, mm. growing up and questioning them all the time, and just 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 how narrow. Like, and I've talked about it a bit during this, but like just how narrow the kind of realm of where you're allowed to exist and is and actually how broad and complex humans are and how much nuance there is in each person and what they need. And it's just, it's not good enough. Like the sort of guidelines that we've been given by like traditional culture, I just think. Mm, yeah, nice. Yeah. And even how, um, I, I don't know I feel like in some parts of the world things are going backwards and in some parts things are going forwards mm. um you know like for example uh, like the abortion rule in Alabama um how like we've had like homophobic attacks in London recently um and yet we've also got uh, women doing amazing things and really you know, stepping into leadership roles and, um, and people from all, you know, all walks of life and, um, or, or people who associate with, um, all genders stepping up and speaking up and having a voice. Yeah. Um, and it's, it feels really important. We were saying this in the first episode, it feels really important that like the time that we're in now, um, because there is so much, so many shifts going on and you know where something's going backwards out somewhere else where something's going really well and forwards um yeah. and yeah and I think that shows like the one that you're just talking about is you know the, the time is now for things like that to come out and for people to start questioning who they are more and what their beliefs are and you know perhaps even what they need to start changing about them yeah, I think it's, I, yeah, I think it's interesting that you said like it's a sort of push and pull and some things are going quite quickly one way and then the other. But, and I think it's because this is all happening so quickly. Mm. Like I was talking to a friend of mine about this, how in the lot, the internet's basically accelerated movements in a way that has never happened before. And I think that there's such a, there's such a divide between generations in terms of what they understand and such a backlash to, to, to new movements that people just maybe don't have, haven't given the time to really kind of get to grips with. Yeah. And like these, as a result, there were these like strong, desperate needs to go back to when life was like oppressive but clear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like understanding where you where you sit, isn't it? Yeah. Like where you stand and what yeah. you're allowed to do. And being uncomfortable. I think people aren't ready. Like the where it's going backwards, people just aren't quite ready to be uncomfortable and move forwards with that. Yeah, and just not and just being like it's it's just fine to not know about something. 
like this is yeah. to just be totally clued up but the the key thing is is that if you don't know about something it doesn't mean you have to have a loud voice in opposition to it yeah that's, that's and you're allowed to say i need to be educated on this yeah totally and 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 also now to not say anything for a while until you understand what someone's trying to teach you you know yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. um kind of going on from that last question what is bringing you joy at the moment in your life and it's going to be like a really little thing or a really big thing for instance like I have got a blackboard on my wall that I painted yellow and I love it so much. <laughs> like oh, it could be like a small, silly thing yeah. or like something that's just like really bringing something beautiful to your life. That's a really good question. I feel like there's a lot <laughs> of things I can say. Truthfully, um, we've got this plant, we've got this jasmine plant on our balcony and it's doing really well. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. Just, I literally love jasmine. Oh, it's so nice. And I suppose I'm just chuffed that I live with people. I live with three, um, three girls that I know and then one of their boyfriends. And I'm just chuffed that I live with people who like look after a plant. Yes. <laughs> so it was something quite like communal and familial. So yeah, I, I really, I really like, I probably is a bit of a say what you see situation because I have just looked at it and gone, oh, I'm glad you're there. That's nice. Yeah. I love you, Jasmine. Yeah. yeah. And like, it means that when it rains, I don't feel so bad because it's getting watered. I mean, that is the smuggest thing I've ever said, <laughs> but it is true that I was like, it's raining. And I was like, Oh, the plants. Okay. That's oh cool. my God. I love that. I'm just imagining you like sat by the window yeah. smelling, <laughs> smelling the Jasmine. Yeah. Like wafting through. <laughs> I'd literally be there sniffing it with my face right in there. Yeah. Well, it's too wet now. I think the scent. <laughs> I'll have smell tomorrow. Um, on that line, what's giving you joy, Natalia? Have you got something which is giving you joy today? Um, oh, gosh, what's giving me joy? I'm actually so I'm in Spain at the moment, in the south of Spain, and it's the sun's. This is going to sound really ridiculous, but the sun's gone in and it's getting a little bit stormy and I, I actually love that kind of like bit just before a storm nice um yeah yeah so that's definitely bringing me joy but now like you've said about your plants I'm looking at my poor little piece Lily um that I left for a week and it's kind of definitely needs some love so I might go give that some joy <laughs> how about you Ash well besides my yellow blackboard which is brilliant um well, this, this actually does something that's made me laugh a lot. So my cat, Jason, was, you know, when cats see birds outside and they suddenly do that weird sort of like little like cackling thing. Yeah. And they sort of chatter and like sort of their mouths wiggle around. So he was rolling around on his back on a wall and then he just like froze upside down with all his legs in the air and started doing this chattering thing and then just <laughs> fell off the wall. <laughs> which is awful but it was funny. It's also good because cats are so graceful so it is good to see one fall off. Fall yeah, isn't it? Yeah, you're yeah, not infallible, mate. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I'm looking after a cat right now. We're just going to bang on about cats for a minute now, but I'm looking after a cat for a friend right now, and it's the biggest cat I've ever seen in my life, first of all. But it walks really funny because its two front legs are completely straight, so it literally looks like a ballerina. Oh. <laughs> Every time I look at it, I'm just like, so sweet. like I just want to be able to put like little ballerina shoes on its two front feet. <laughs> that's hilarious i'm sure it doesn't have like arthritis no it it was born like that with like literally just just straight legs apparently someone told me i think my friend's mum who like adores cats told me that she read an article um and i don't think this is true but she said which made me laugh so much the cats are actually incredibly stupid and 
<laughs> so like like haughty and like smug is because they never know what's going on and they've decided that's their like mode to operate and i like the idea that every time a cat like puts its bum in your face and stalks off its face it's like one of complete confusion and like worry <laughs> i really don't know what this is and like that's so often the case that people who really don't know what's going on are quite often like a bit kind of standoffish and rude yeah that's so um, funny oh my god but, yeah i mean i do i've actually been converted into cat like to loving cats i really wasn't a cat person and i met a friend's cat who like lay on my chest and slept while i was feeling quite hungry and i tried to put it in my backpack and take it home sure you won't notice that this little being goes <laughs> on a on a different question which we tend to ask all of our guests at the end of the podcast is are there any women in your life who you feel like have lifted you up or like raised you up lifted me up yeah inspired inspired you yeah yes a big shout out to my sister Alice who uh I don't credit enough actually and she'd be like why did you talk about me on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) but she is she was like properly amazing growing up um she kind of made me always question like what why I was putting on makeup what for and like what I was like who I was doing everything for and she was so sort of like empowered and cool and like just great and like very strong and I don't know she was a real sort of role model and the older we've got like the closer we've got and she's a mum now and she's sort of it's not she's just been very sort of upfront and honest about her experiences with me and it's been so helpful and she's really willing to be wrong and she's yeah she's great I, I kind of really underestimated how much of an effect she had like having a strong woman like that aside from my mum but they're strong in completely different ways and I think she's about nine years older than me so she paved a way that gave me an alternative way of like growing up not not alternative to life but just like you know a couple of different options basically mm-hmm. she very much carved her own path and she's always been her own person and and I really admire her oh that's lash I think that's there's nothing quite like sibling love as well yeah 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 I've actually never said that to her, so maybe I'll get her to listen to this. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, please be. (laughs) No, she'd be like, you're being so embarrassing. Stop it. (laughs) We love you. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. Well, um, yeah, I think we'll end it there. Unless there's anything else you would like to share with our listeners, Charlotte, um, about anything else that you're up to or, you know, how they can... Any plugs or watch anything or whatever anything else yeah. basically plug sneaky shout outs whatever <laughs> i think i'm good i think i've done so much plugging I've, I've, <laughs> tv show i've got it like yeah chill out so i think that's it no thank you though thanks for the opportunity to plug yeah, yeah well thank you for joining us it's been such a nice and interesting conversation and thank you for being so honest as well and that's kind of what you know what we're about what our podcast is about um, and just basically having a good old chat great so, thanks so much thank you thank you thanks bye bye thank you so much for tuning in to the bare naked chats podcast we love every single one of you we will be back in a fortnight with our next installment of healthy oversharing juicy chats and educational condos you can rate review and subscribe to bare naked chats on itunes and please do we will love you forever This helps boost our rating and spread our love even further. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at BareNakedChats and you can email us at BareNakedChats at gmail.com with any comments, thoughts or topics of interest you want us to delve into. Catch you later, cats. Adios.